You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers you have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you a chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at $1 million top prize. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Shoot, Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Rig Rats podcast, the Edmonton Oilers podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am joined post-hockey game, my good co-host, Kyle. Kyle, I heard you had a bit of a solid game there, buddy. How'd it go? Folks, uh, my stat line was a little sick. One Geno, two apples, three points on the night. I'm feeling like Connor, not a big deal. You know, pretty cool. Uh, no, it was, it was a good game though. Um, the bench was a little, their bench, their bench was a little short. So I take it with a bit of a grain of salt, you know, nothing crazy, not too hard to beat a, to beat a team with eight guys, but hey, I mean, hey I've, goals, I've done worse. Getting apples gets the dopamine going. Am I right? Sure does boss man. Sure does. Well, interesting enough, I'm actually coming from a Buffalo wild wings. And the only reason I bring that up is because while I was there, I don't know if you've been to a Buffalo wild wings, they have like trivia screens. They have a bunch of sports screens and then also they have trivia screens. So I'm sitting there, you know, with a couple of my buddies, we're looking at the trivia screens like you do. And I look over and I see Connor McDavid's name up on the screen. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. And they're doing some hockey trivia. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. That that's, that's, That'd be hard for for your average Buffalo Wild Wings enjoyer. That'd be a hard one. And then I started to see the, I started to see the other questions they were asking. It was basically true or false. There were only two options, and it gave you it basically the questions were it gave you an, a hockey player's name, and then you had to guess if it was Canadian or American. And now to me, that just seems like the most redundant, like useless trivia quiz ever. There were six questions and five of the six were all Canadian. Like, I feel like your average, I guess that's why they did it, but they're your average trivia goer. If you went up to any person on the street right now and said, Hey, are they American or Canadian? And, or I will kill you right now. 
there you're, most people are gonna bet their lives on the fact that it's Canadian. It just seemed like useless right. trivia <laughs> to me. I thought it was yeah. like the one American was Mike Medano, and then other than that, it was is this person American or Canadian? Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Jonathan Tays. Like it was, it was all the big easy ones. And <laughs> yeah, so just to start the episode off off the rails already, Buffalo Wild Wings, step your hockey trivia game up. Like what is that? <laughs> Throw some wild questions in there. Who who won the cup in in ninety two? You know, like 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 pick some random. You know, what I mean, something, something thing, crazy. Buffalo Wild Wings. You probably could have asked. We're in. I'm in Central Florida. You probably could have asked the Buffalo Wild Wings who won the Stanley Cup last year. And I don't think most of the people in there could tell you who. Likely not. I mean, well, they they might just because the Lightning won and they're from Florida. But but I mean, still, it's just like what. Well, wild concept yeah so i just i just thought we'd start off there buffalo wild wings what's going on get your hockey step your hockey trivia game up like come on i said i went figure figured I, out honestly that's probably the the most that's probably the most recent time i've gotten a hundred percent on a cr- quiz since like <laughs> third grade dude so i'll yeah. take it i'll take it however we do have some edmonton oilers games to uh to talk about so let's let's sure get this do, train, brother man this train back on the rails here uh, so we've got two games to talk about. The first one is a loss. The second one is a win. However, really the only important things to take away from these two games is in the first game, Connor McDavid scored three points and he got a little bit closer. And then in the second game, Connor McDavid put in the four point night and he hits the hundred century mark. So, Big I mean, up. the first game was actually interesting considering the fact he got the three points. However, we lose six, three and the bigger story, I think coming out of that one, other than McDavid creeping closer to the hundred point mark is Miko Koskinen allowed four goals on four shots. He had a zero save percentage. It was not all his fault, but man, I mean, you considering that, that, yeah, you hate to see it. Considering the dude's got like he had in his last 10 games, he's got like a nine twenty nine. It's a rough game, but I had never seen, he lets the first shot in. And we've seen that like that that's happened before. Yeah. He's done that a couple times this season. He lets the first shot in second one yeah. goes in. All right. Third one goes in. I was surprised he wasn't pulled. And then I was like, if the fourth one goes in, this is crazy. Like they don't have another shot on net. Like this is, he hasn't made a single save. And then, and then he doesn't make the save. He goes to get pulled. And then he, he takes, it takes more than one swing to break his stick. And people were clowning on him for that. It was just, it was a bad night for Miko Koskinen for sure. <laughs> That's tough. As much, as much as you got to think everybody else is like, dude, come on, like, like make a save. You got to think he's sitting there looking at himself like, holy shit. I cannot save a thing for my life right now. Yeah, I mean, four shots, four goals. That's like you said. The first shot goes in. You're you're like, ah, oh, damn. Like you're pissed. You know, what I mean, you, you started off on the wrong. The first four go in. That's it. I'll I'll go home. I'll, I'll hit the showers and I'll, I'll see my wife in the stands. Thanks. <laughs> and then actually, funny. As soon as Mike Smith got into the game, Mike <laughs> Smith picks up an assist on the first Oilers goal. So then yeah. the the meme is. Mike Smith, the goalie, had more points in this game than Miko Koskinen did saves. It's just like they write themselves. It was just a tough night for Koskinen for sure. It, it wasn't much, you know, it wasn't much closer for the rest of the Oilers. Dreisaitl would score two, Pliarvi would score again, McDavid would hit the three points. Um, there were a couple scraps in this one. Uh, Alex 
Brisson fought Travis Hamannick and sort of an old man scrap. And then Darnell Nurse and Zach McEwen went at it, dude. It was sort of behind the play. Great fight. Really good fight. I love watching Darnell Nurse fight because he just fights so unhinged. Um, yeah, it just goes. Yeah, he just he lets them fly. Like, no defense, all offense, just throwing bombs. Yeah, I'll take a couple to give a couple. Yeah, so, so I mean, good tilt. Uh, and then, uh, actually, after the game, a couple days later, McEwen was suspended one game for kneeing him on the play. And then if you go back and look at it, he does get a pretty healthy knee into Darnell Nurse. So you can understand why he was kind of mad there. So this game was not without its dramatics and stuff like that. But unfortunately, we would lose 6-3. But, again, I felt like even after that game, the Oilers played well. They outshot the Canucks 42 to 27. It's funny because we went into this four-game stretch versus the Canucks. And McDavid needed, what was it, 11 points in six games. And then after one game, he dropped down to needing seven and five. And then in one more game, he needed drop down to needing four points in four games. Yeah, The the dudes had more three-point games all season than he has had zero-point games. I I, I looked at it. I I saw um, Statline, his last 10 games – he had one zero-point game, mm-hmm. one two-point game, like five three-point games, and the rest were like there was a five and a four in there. It's like, it's like, dude, what is it? He's, he's going beast mode. He's, he's on just – I mean, I don't know who prescribes him as Adderall, but I'll take it, please. Yeah, he, 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 is, <laughs> he's, he is incredible. A uh, bit of a soft game for the audience, but – Again, I figured, and I even called it a couple episodes ago, I figured that we were going to drop at least one to the Canucks. Yeah, yeah, I think that I, was last episode. I didn't think we were going to get the full four games, but I said... For Boys to, don't predict it. We, we don't predict losses, but I, I did, however, figure that if we were going to lose one, and I figured that at the least the Oilers need to win three of the four here versus the Canucks. And they come out in this last game. And to be honest, like, I don't know, a lot of people, like even we talked about it, in the last one we were like if he gets close enough in this last game versus Vancouver do you think he can do it and it just felt like as soon as the game started I mean first of all McDavid scores 45 seconds into the game so that's just an incredible start but it felt like as soon as he scored that early into the game like everyone knew it was happening it's happening tonight he's not messing around he it's happening tonight it it was very means business it was a really good game. Uh, the Canucks scored to tie it up. How are they called it? They got it called back on offsides. Nice to see the Oilers win a challenge and actually challenge a play for once. I feel like we haven't seen either the Oilers come out on top of challenges a lot this season or even challenge a lot of goals this season. I felt like it's been a little bit quiet on that end. Yeah, I think I think the challenges is is a tough thing because it's it's fairly new, and so I mean now now you got to think of it. I mean you really got to weigh your options because if you lose, you get a, you get a, a, a penalty. You know what I mean? You, you, you got to be on the kill. So like, you really got to know whether or not you're going to win. And, and you got to hope that when you throw that challenge and when you're asking them to go look that, that you're going to come out on top because um, it sucks when you lose. So I, I figure that's probably why um, the coaches are, are not throwing them as much as you'd think they might just because they're not sure which way it's going to go, you know? 
Yeah, and also just with the the way NHL calls things and NHL officiating, yeah. it, it's hard to if again if the NHL officiating was consistent, I think it'd be a lot easier for coaches to be like, okay, yep. this is offsides, that's the oh, goaltender interference. Obviously, they missed it, so we're gonna challenge it. But with the way you know, it, it's sort of all goes up and down. Yeah. yeah, whether or not people are gonna call it that way or not, it's definitely a lot harder to guess whether or not it's going to go your way or not. So I, I, I'd agree with that. Pugliarvi would score again. He scored in, I think, three straight at this point. The dude's on a tear. He's, he's party. dude, it's incredible. I, I love his turnaround this season. It's, I, if it's not Mike Smith, and I was listening to one of the po- Oilers Nation podcasts, not affiliated, not an ad for them. If they, if they want that, they can pay me. Um, however, they, <laughs> They, they were talking that they were talking about break, breakout players this season. And I mean, if it's not Mike Smith, it's got to be Pugliarvi. Um, the, the dude is unreal. And he's starting to his one timers and his shots were, were sort of off. And I felt like he was whiffing on a lot of shots. But right now that one timer is open and uncorked. And every time he hits it, it's bar in. Great to see Pugliarvi score. And we get a lot of power play opportunities. And I felt like because of that, it felt like McDavid was on the ice for the entire game. <laughs> like every time I like I looked up, I felt like McDavid and Dreisaitl were on the ice, just causing havoc. You couldn't have written it any better to get the 100 points. McDavid, two assists on Dreisaitl, one-timers on the power play. I mean, do we want to wax poetically more about McDavid, the, the guy... <laughs> The guy's incredible. So he does it. He hits the hundred. I mean, almost no one thought he was going to be able to do that this season. And he does it in three less games, 53 games, 100 points. Oh yeah. So I've got the, the list of few, the fastest people to hundred points. Gretzky as always is in another world is the first six answers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It goes Gretzky with third in 34 games. He had a hundred points. Jesus Christ. 35 games, 100 points. Mario Lemieux, 36. And then him and Wayne did 100 points in 38 games, two times each. Gretzky did it in 39. And then they both had over 100 points in 40 and 50 games each. So they are on that list reoccurring. They're obviously at the top. Well behind them, however, we have Yari Curry, and Nichols sitting at 48 games played. We've got Steve Eiserman at 50. Stevie, why? Yeah, we got Esposito at 51. Yarmir Yager at 52. And then tied at 53 points, at 53 games played to 100 points, Marcel Dion and Connor McDavid. McDavid passes a couple guys that you might have heard of called Pat Lafontaine, Guy Lafure, and Mike Bossy. Just, you know, just no biggie. Just some casual players of the game. Uh, I there's, mean, some, there's some men's league guys. And I couldn't help though watching the post games. It felt McDavid felt very, it seemed like McDavid felt very relieved to hit the hundred points because then people, we can, we can stop talking about it. He's done it, yeah. but we can stop asking him about it. And I just, I always think it's interesting. Maybe it's cause I'm a narcissist. And so I always want people talking about me, but like <laughs> Connor McDavid Everyone talks about him. I mean, he's the best player in the world and he just, he, he doesn't want that spotlight. Like in, even in his post games, he was a hundred percent sure while he's, people are asking him questions about his hundred points. He, he, he would rather have talked about the fact that Adam Larson 
played his 600th game in this last one. And yeah. I just think it's, it's a testament to him as a person, his character, him as a leader. I don't know. Uh, like I said, we're waxing poetically about Connor McDavid at this point. We should change the name of the podcast to the Connor McDavid fan club because it's basically what it is. The guy's incredible. Connor McDavid, really yeah. good at hockey. <laughs> and we're, we're blessed to watch him on a nightly basis. I mean, do you have well, anything else you want to add to the, the McDavid conversation? Uh, no, but also to the same game, Leon takes up 500 points there. Uh, in his career and and again just another great accomplishment I mean that's one of those things that not a lot of people get to do um, so when you get there especially he, he did it pretty quick too it's, it's awesome to see stuff like that and and you know just as you were saying McDavid would much rather talk about dry saddle hitting 500 career points or Larson playing his 600th game I mean, it, it's, it's great to see those qualities in a leader you know and so the score was 4-3 so it's a tight game, but it never felt tight. We were even up 2 nothing, and they came back and tied it 2-2. But I still, like, again, it's just one of those games that the, the Oilers aren't going to lose this game. McDavid has four points to hit 100. We're not going to lose that game. Um, I do, however, want to take a second to talk about Adam Larson, of all people. Because I think he's had a great season by Adam Larson's standards. And no one's talking about it. You don't hear a lot of Oilers fans talking about how great Adam Larson is playing. And I think that's a good thing. And that's exactly why Adam Larson is having a great season. Adam Larson isn't the kind of guy that has never been the kind of guy that's going to put up a ton of points. He's not flashy. But if you don't talk about Adam Larson on a nightly basis, then he's done a really good job. And I find myself night on night on night, right? We've complained about Russell. We've complained about Barry at times. Um, we've complained about even Tippett's usage of like Bouchard and Jones and Bear. Like really the two people we haven't talked about or really said anything bad about this season are Nurse, but he's on an absolute tear offensively. And Larson, who is just doing his job. He's in there on a night in, night out basis, playing steady. Sometimes he plays with Kulikov. Sometimes he plays with Lagason, who is a younger defenseman. And I think really, really underrated on this team is how quiet and steady of a season Adam Larson has had. I mean, I think that's really what you look for in your defenseman, too. It's like, sure, you can have superstar defensemen. You know, you can have guys that are putting up points and and making crazy plays, making the highlight reel every day. But what you really want is you you want a guy like Adam Larson that that is just, you know, he's going to be there. You know, he's there to, to hold it, to hold down the fort. And it's awesome to know both as a forward and a defenseman that either your partner or the guy back there is going to have your back. And, and you know, he's not going to be um, sporadic either way, great or horrible. Um, so, so, you know, I think for him, you know, people are always like, you know, people can't talk about Connor nonstop. You know, I mean, there's there's nothing, you know, there's not a, a podcast that we've made that we haven't said his name. Um, and, and people, you know, assume that just because nobody talks about Adam Larson, that he's not good at hockey. Like, like if you ask the average fan, oh, is Adam Larson good at hockey? They're like, I, I don't know. I never I never heard of him. Right. But but I think that's perfect for his role. I think he fits that slot really well, just because you don't necessarily need anybody to talk about you because you know that your coaches are seeing you play and it's perfect. You're right where you got it. So uh, you, you love seeing that from, from a guy like that. And he plays hard. Like he, he's just like he's oh, a yeah. really tough oh, player. Yeah. McDavid was even saying like, that's a, that's a hard 600 games he's played. Like he, like the miles he's put on those wheels in those 600 games are some pretty hard miles. And I also have to give Adam Larson probably the best, just like he, he might be, 
I don't know if scariest is the right word. Cause when Cassian gets his crazy eyes, like that's terrifying, but like his dead Larson's deadpan face, he's so stone faced and his beard, like he looks like he just looks dead behind the eyes when he's angry. And it's like, like he looks cold, like Cassian, when he gets at, he's got the crazy eyes. Like you see the fire. Larson is just death, like silence and death. When he gets angry, he's got such a good resting, like bitch face. That's so flat and, and scary. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, too, where it's just, like, the guy that doesn't make any noise when he's mad, that's the guy you've got to be worried about. The guy that makes a big a big fuss, you know, he's he's yelling all over the place, making sure everybody's watching him when he's getting mad at you. But but the guy who just sits there, that's what you got to be scared of. And with that win, the Edmonton Oilers improved to 33-18-2, and they have officially locked up second place. Toronto clinched first place earlier and then with this win, the Oilers have locked up second place. So second in the division. I don't think anyone really predicted the Oilers to win the division. I think we we could have won the division. I think we're good enough to have won the division this season. Toronto just, I think they got off to that. They got off to a pretty hot start and uh, never really looked back. And, and Toronto's a good team to give them a little bit of credit. But I mean, second place is as about as high as you can predict. And I don't think anyone's going to complain with the second place finish this season, especially after how disappointing I'd say the play in season last year versus Chicago was. Yeah. I mean, there was certainly a lot of very well-respected people in, in, you know, throughout the league um, that at the beginning of the season, we're, we're predicting, you know, Edmonton to be sitting at, you know, fifth or sixth place. And I think it's definitely good. I mean, obviously you and I were predicting for sure playoffs, but I, I think it's, Cool to see, and I'm sure the guys in the locker room are, are happy to prove some of those guys wrong and just show that you know they're good. And I, I agree with you. I think that there was a there's a possibility, probably somewhere somewhere around the middle of the season, um, that they would have had to turn it on real hot and, and, and pick up a bunch of points. Those three games in a row to Toronto. I think I, that's I what agree. It is. Yep, I think I think that really kind of took the wind out of the sails. Plus, you know, that's a, a six point flip um nine nine point flip oh it was nine uh, it was nine yeah, no, yeah. it was six right I yeah, I, I, dude it's Math two points. So See, here's, here's the problem is i actively play soccer on a daily basis and soccer you get three points for a win so you are correct the way math works is <laughs> two three, times three equals two six. times three <laughs> equals six yes that is how math works so they picked up six points however if you want to talk about it in the fact that they were going head to head in the a, north division 12 points 12 point spread right still not the math. number i said however bigger Number numbers are so hard <laughs> that is fair that is fair well um, we are done playing the vancouver canucks for a little bit at least thank goodness uh, and we do have a couple upcoming games here versus Montreal. I mean, do you, you have anything else to say about those last two games? Nope. Nope. Like we were saying in the last, in the last pod, we kind of figured there uh, was bound to be a, an L somewhere. And that's just where it laid or lied, whatever words are hard. Um, <laughs> but I think it's good to see, you know, a bunch of milestones in that last game. Like it's a, you know, a bit of a feel good for all the guys in the locker room. Fun game to watch. It's a good fun game, game to, watch. to watch. Yeah. yeah. That was a good it's, game as a fan to watch. I agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, locks up second place. So, you, so, you know, you're in a good spot. So, I mean, obviously you want to go into these next two games, winning them, um, you know, just for morale purposes, but you also know that it's, it's not as aggressively serious if, if something goes wrong or, or you, you play a little slower, you know, 
Yeah, and so. so then looking ahead, the two games we do have coming up here between episodes, we've got two games versus Montreal. These are our 54th and 55th game, and then we will have one more game before the regular season ends to talk about. And then we will do a playoff hype episode, and then we will get the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we'll get the playoffs underway, which I'm super excited about. However, we'll take it one game at a time. We've got the two games versus Montreal. And they, the uh, Tippett was talking about how these games are tune-up games. Obviously, you want to win these games, like you were saying. You want to go into the playoffs as hot as possible. However, like you said, we've got the place locked up. We're really more working on one. We could potentially still be facing the Canadians in the first round. Uh, the yeah. Jets and the Canadians have not locked their third or fourth place spots up yet at all. Hell, the Canadians aren't even clinched technically in the playoffs. Mathematically, the Senators could still pass them, which is just really crazy to think about. However, you know, they're big tune-up games. The Oilers haven't played super well versus Montreal this season. We're two and five on the season. Montreal sitting at 24, 21, and nine. <clears throat> so obviously tune-ups, we're trying to be as hot towards the playoffs. I don't think McDavid really, I, McDavid might rest one game, if that. Um, I doubt but, it. but even from the, the post games, like it sounds like he wants to play. Uh, which is crazy because it means he's going to get over 100 points this season, which is yeah, just just crazy. But we, we won't start talking about McDavid again right now, I promise. Yeah, We've got the two games versus Montreal. How do you think they go? Like, what do you expect? What Like, do you think they're going to – obviously, Montreal's fighting for their lives. Edmonton's can take it a little bit more relaxed. So what do you expect from these games? It's tough to predict how a team's going to react to stuff like that just because, you know, like we were saying – we haven't necessarily played all that well against Montreal throughout the season. So there's definitely, you know, some, some previous error and, and, you know, Montreal knows that there's a certain way that Edmonton plays the game. They know, you know, some of the weaker spots and, and whatnot. And like you said, they're fighting for their lives. So, so this, this matters a lot to them and not that it doesn't matter at all for, for Edmonton, but, but it just ma- it certainly matters a little less now that yeah, the Oilers the, are, are in a good position. Here. The Oilers have second place, no matter who they play round one, they're going to have home ice advantage. Right. So right. they're not playing for any of that. Montreal, like I said, is still trying to clinch the playoffs at the mo- at the time of we're recording this, they are still not clinched. So they, they still have to clinch the playoffs. And then on top of that, with the Jets having clinched, they're still trying to jockey for position. Um, I don't know. And to be honest, I think if you're a Canadians fan looking at the record of Montreal versus Edmonton and Toronto, I think Montreal would rather play Edmonton in that first round. So if you're a Canadians player and you're looking at that, I don't know if you're asking to play Connor McDavid in the first round, but you'd probably feel a little bit more confident going up against the Edmonton Oilers than you have the Maple Leafs so far. So they're definitely going to be a lot more desperate than us for sure. So with that being said, I think it'll definitely be, um, you know, a tough couple of games to win. You got to expect everybody on the Canadians to come out hot. Once again, the boys don't predict losses. I'm going to go with a real tight game though. I'm going to say it'll probably be a, a three, two regulation, normal game, nothing crazy out of either team. You know, it might get a little chippy, but but I, I don't I don't see really any any good scraps or nothing happening. Just a bit, just a basic three two win. All right. Well, before I give my score prediction, I will say that as we're coming into the final stretch here, Kyle, you still have a one point lead on the prediction challenge. Uh, you we both didn't pick up any points for the Oilers loss to the Canucks. However, we both did pick up two points for predicting the win 
against them. And then I predicted McDavid was going to hit 100 points. You predicted McDavid was going to score four points, and he did both. So we both pick up a point. It's wonderful. Thanks, Connor. (laughs) We're both sitting at that 37-36 threshold coming down in the last three games. So you're still clinging to that top spot as we come into the home run stretch here. So I got to really pick my game up. I think uh, I believe what I heard from Tippett in the post game after Smith started the last game versus Vancouver and he played in the game Koskinen was supposed to play in, but Koskinen got pulled, that Koskinen is supposed to be in the first game versus Montreal. That being said, Montreal is going to score probably more than they normally would against us. So unfortunately for Koskinen, I'm going to save a five, four win. And then I, this is going to hurt me to do, but we don't predict losses, but I'm going to say he lets the first shot in again. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just tough. You know, I mean, not that I would predict a loss, but, but I think if, if any games, we're going to happen to be lost. These would be the two that would be kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. Cause it, it's just, it's a tough spot to be in for either team, you know? Yeah. You never want to drop points, but again, Oilers standpoint, we're in the playoffs. We've got home ice. We're not going to stress a ton about it. Honestly, my biggest thing is the wins would be great, but if we can come out of these still healthy, no one gets injured and we have, we have a little bit more confidence in our lineup. That's the win for me. Uh, so we've got the second game versus Montreal. I think this one will be maybe a little bit different than the 5-4. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say it's going to be interesting. I think Smith's going to be hot, hot, hot. one nothing win. Ooh, a very, very small game there. Smith, um, shut out. What do you think, buddy? I, I do like where your head's at, though. I do think Smith's going to come out you know, just toasty, and he'll probably be preparing for the playoffs too, so he's making sure he's all loose, making sure he's ready to go. And he's the However, starter. Well, like, yeah. we, can, we can all say I mean, I mean, he's yeah. going to be the starter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you got to expect he's going to play more often than not in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, barring uh, anything, you know, any extenuating circumstances, he's going to be the he's going to be the go-to guy. I'm going to say it's hard to predict only one goal out of the Edmonton Oilers when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl popping off like that you know pull Arby's on a hot streak too so that's a fair point that's a fair I, point I, I can understand why you wouldn't agree with that I like I like your spot I, I'm gonna say three nothing I'm gonna say they put in three all righty the big old three nothing win all right so we're both predicting no goals a big shutout for the Edmonton Oilers and Mike Smith all right well if any of that comes true, we'll be sure to ask you about it. However, at the moment, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will get back to, I would say, NHL news, but really it's just Washington Capitals, New York Rangers news. But we'll bring you all that when we come back in just a moment. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However... We here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, Is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next to Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. 
exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. All righty, and we are back. So like I mentioned before uh, we went on break there, we're going to be talking about some NHL news. And I think we should start with probably the juiciest stuff, some of the carryover from last episode. Like we said in last episode, and if you've been living under a rock, Tom Wilson and the New York Rangers got into a bit of it. He punched Buchnevich while he was on the ground in the head. Panarin jumped on his back. Wilson ragdolled him. Panarin is out for the rest of the season. Wilson then was not suspended and only fined $5,000. Then they get to turn around. And like we said last episode, they turned around and played another game the next night versus each other. And right off the hop, we went to a hot, we went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. There was a line brawl right off the bat. I think at one point there was seven people in the Washington Capitals penalty box. Um, I, I think it was, I think it was six because I was, I was talking to Kayla about that and she was like, there's seven. I was like, no, there's six. The guy has his helmet in his hands and it looks like an extra head, but it's just six guys. <laughs> but the penalty box though was packed. still, oh yeah, it was that's packed. A, that's a party in there. <laughs> Listen, like if we saw if COVID was still as big of a deal as, as it was, like you, you'd be a little concerned that we had that many people that close to each other in that type of, of a space crazy game i think there were three game misconducts in that game not just washington also some with the rangers we saw bushnevich smash mantha in the face with a stick he would get suspended one game i was brutal too a lot of other fights tom wilson actually ended up answering the bell and unfortunately he he won his fight pretty handily oh yeah oh yeah Um, i mean it it's it's tough to go up again that's a that's a guy that that starts fights for fun, not because his team needs him to. He's just like, eh, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> and then he just gets on there and, and, and fools around. I think the stat was that there was a, a hundred minutes in penalties in the first period alone. I mean, that's unheard of. A hundred minutes in penalties in a game is stupid. A period, the first period alone, that's insane. I mean, that's just nuts. So, I mean, there's a lot of different details on this to to go through. So, like, where do you want to start on on the game? Because even actually, even in this game, probably the bigger story out of all this is that TJ Oshie's dad passed away. And then he gets a hat trick on this same night in this game. So this is the one thing I will say is that that should have been the bigger story. We should have been talking about that way more like that that's such a better story it's a feel-good story like how can you not get behind that tj Oshie is an incredible human being i don't know tj Oshie personally but tj Oshie is, is an incredible human being i believe oh, that. Yeah. i can say that the dude's an amazing person everyone Does a bunch loves, of charity work yeah I everyone mean, everyone loves him. his teammates all that stuff his dad passed it's something I, you, you I, never I believe he had i believe he had alzheimer's too um because a couple of years ago when they won the when they won the cup he was talking about you know, his dad doesn't remember too much, but but he's definitely going to remember that. And, and then, you know, so it's tough. He was, yeah, he was big Yeah, I even remember too. talking about him, like Oshie's postgame and him crying because of how much it was going to mean to not him. He just won the Stanley Cup, but he was crying because of how much him winning the Stanley Cup was going to mean to his dad. So obviously yeah. his dad passes and then on that night he gets a hat trick. That should have been the story we talked about. However, the story everyone talked about, the headlines from that game where all the fights, Bushnevich smashing Mantha in the face, and all the other shenanigans that happened after it, when really what we should have been focusing on was that incredible story from TJ Oshie. So I think, actually, that's probably the better place to start. 
Yeah, good idea. I, I think it was it was kind of beautiful too. You know, you know, after he scores that third goal, he goes back to the bench, and um, I think it's it was Backstrom and, and somebody else. They they just kind of gave him a hug and they, they asked him about it in the post game, and he was like, he's like he just he looked like he needed a hug. He, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's not going to go out of his way to ask you for any extra sympathy, but, but you give it to him and, and he just takes it wholeheartedly and, and, and really appreciates it. He's, he's one of the toughest guys I know, you know, that, that was, that was what he was saying. And, and, you know, even as somebody who's, who's like, not, you know, I don't, I don't know any of these guys, but something like that is, that's what you'd want to happen for you. You know, you'd, you'd want to have a guy like that on the bench for you and, and that's that's definitely nice to to see. Yeah, an, an incredible story, really good feel good story for TJ Oshie. Yeah. And what really the big takeaway from that game should have been. That being yeah, said, I agree. there were a bunch of shenanigans like we mentioned, and I have actually the the penalty list here. Do you want it? Give it to me. All right. At one second, Nick Dowd fighting with Kevin Rooney, Carl Hagelin fighting with Colin Blackwell. Garnett Hathaway fighting with Di Giuseppe. So one second in, there's all those. 50 seconds in, Brendan Smith fighting Tom Wilson. Brendan Smith instigator against Tom Wilson. Brendan Smith misconduct against Tom Wilson. Four minutes and 14 seconds in, Anthony Mateto fighting Michael Roffel. This is four minutes and 14 seconds into the game. Ryan Strom fighting Lars Eller. 11 minutes and 24 seconds in, Carl Hagelin slashing. 12 minutes, 18 seconds, Zdeno Chara tripping. 15 minutes, 15 seconds, 50 seconds. Kevin Rooney, game misco- uh, misconduct against Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson also got a misconduct on that play. Pavel Bushnevich slashing against Tom Wilson. Pavel Bushnevich high-sticking against Zdeno Chara. And then four minutes into the second period, Bushnevich, game misconduct. Pavel Bushnevich cross-checking. Anthony Mantha, game misconduct yeah. for Zdeno Chara. Game misconduct for Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom got a tripping penalty on Carl Hagelin. And then the final penalty of the game, D. Giuseppe gets interference on Daniel Carr. That's a madhouse. That is a madhouse. Oh, yeah. That cross check to the face, as brutal as it is, I don't know that you can I don't know that you can really blame him on that one. I mean, Mantha, if you look at the whole play, if you watch the video of the whole play, Mantha starts messing with him. I mean, it's got to be 30, 40 seconds before before the whole thing happens. Yeah, he follows um, him around the net. And then and it's, he's just bopping him on the head and, and he's just, you know, slapping him, pushing him in the face and stuff. Slashing him in the back of the thighs. Exactly. Just chopping at his legs. And, and then the whistle blows and you, you got to expect Buchnevich, all he's seeing is Mantha start to come at him. And he's, so he just goes. And, and I mean, you saw the last time Buchnevich got hit, got hit pretty bad by one of these guys was he's getting his face buried in the ice by Tom Wilson. You know, he's, he's got to expect something dirty to come, so he just takes matters into his own hands and hammers him in the face. Again, as dirty as a play as, you know, a, a cross-check to the face is, you can't help but but you didn't do anything. And, and I mean, you got to think this entire game happens like this because you didn't correctly discipline, you know, the, the first time, the way it should have happened. You didn't correctly fix it. So if you don't well, want games so to happen like I was, this, I was you got to get it like, done. This is... That basically is the NHL, This that game, the reason all that happened in that game is on the NHL. It's not It's not on the players that actually fought or the Rangers or on the Capitals, really, at that point. It's, it's more on the league for letting it get to that point to where the Rangers felt like they had to send a message or take matters into their own hands, you know, and then the Capitals are, I, they're, a, they're a pretty heavy 
feisty team, and so they're more than willing to oblige. Yeah, they're um, certainly a beefy team. How did you feel about the fact that Bushnevich gets suspended one game? Because, right, you get the takes of, well, Wilson wasn't suspended at all, which was a sham. Like, that that, that was a joke. That, that was yeah. a, a mistake. That was a joke. And it was so, embarrassing. So the thing is, though, we can't look at it at tit for tat, right? That's not how player safety works, right? You can't go, we didn't suspend Wilson. You cross-checked a guy in the face. But because we didn't suspend Wilson, we're not going to suspend you because they're compatible right you have to look at it as right. you cross-checked a guy in the face you can't do that we suspend people for doing that and so we have to suspend you one game so people were yes. mad about it but i don't necessarily think it was the wrong call though well no and, and i agree with that I, you know because it's kind of one of those things it's like well if you mess up instead of precedent so obviously this is if this is any legal situation yes that is what would happen well you didn't do it to that guy that's precedent you know, you can't do it to me, but this is, it's, it's not. So it's, they messed up. And I think even though they really won't admit it, I think they know they messed up. I think they, I think they understand that what they did was wrong. You know, I think they, they realized they made a goof, pretty big goof, but a goof. And you, you can't expect them to just let other crazy stuff go. I mean, cross-checking a guy to the face. If, you, if you're not watching that guy, if you're not watching that game and you don't know the context at all, and you just hear, Pavel Buchnevich cross-check Anthony Mantha in the face. You're like, all right, he's getting at least a game for that, right? I mean, if you think about it, no other context just other than Buchnevich cross-checks him in the face. Yeah, he's got to go. So, I mean, in the eyes of player safety, they did what they should have done. It just sucks that they didn't do what they should have done the first time. Yeah, and so it seemed like, though, after this game, that at least the on-ice and between the players, the shenanigans – the beef was squashed, at least for the time being, for the moment. They're yeah. not going to yeah. be playing each other anytime soon. The beef was squashed. They fought each other. Everyone got their pound of flesh type deal. However, there were some off-ice shenanigans. First of all, we talked about the statement that the Rangers put out to the NHL, basically, call, or not basically, but literally calling for George Peros to basically be fired or resign. resign or be fired, the, yeah. yeah. Basically to leave the job of head of player safety. Like we said, we probably expected them to be fined. And then they were hit with a quarter of a million dollar fine, which in, in all, all, all like honesty, it's not that much comparatively. And I, a lot of people were expecting it to be a lot bigger. So how do you feel about the fact that the NHL fined them? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, uh, like I said, last, like I said, last time, if I'm the Rangers, I'm taking that every day. I, I don't care what the fine is. I'm taking that to stick up for my players. Let them, you know, show them that it's a, it's a safe environment play there. But I really do think they got lucky. I think they got lucky because that's that's a drop in the bucket for them. You know, that's that's barely anything. And I think the reason they got a two fifty a two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine instead of something crazy is I think they just kind of wanted to you know show that they we are, have are to making pun- a, we're making a statement. We have to punish them but we don't want to make it crazy. You know what I mean? Like I, I think they, they also recognize they that up. they messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think they understand they messed up. So, so they're looking at the Rangers like, all right, here's, here's, here's what's going to go on. Cause you, you can't, know, we have to show the rest of the league. You can't you openly can't just... talk bad about our employees or our league. So you're exactly. going to get fined. However, we also goofed. So we're not going to find you a mill. Right. I think, I think that's, that's my exact take on it. It's, it's just like, you know, we understand we, we, we messed up. We messed up. We get it. But bad. Oh, don't bad, talk back. Bad Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that that's that's my idea of it, at least. And then on top of that, the Rangers then after that releasing that statement fire their GM 
and their president of hockey operations. Um, a lot of people were like, well, is this related to the fact that your team sort of went off the deep end? Like what's going on? The Rangers, you know, just released that statement a couple of years ago that they're doing a rebuild and now their rebuild is way ahead of schedule. I would say they, they have a very accelerated rebuild. They're on the up and up, like a young, exciting team. When our Panarin is healthy and Mika Zibanejad is clicking, that's some of the most offensively gifted skaters on the ice. Right. Yeah, so I mean, you got Adam Fox in the back end too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a good team. It's a, it's a fun yeah. up and coming team. So a lot of people were surprised to see that the GM and the president were both fired. Um, however, doing a little bit of digging, listening to, you know, the stuff that I listened to, um, it sounds like that one of the big reasons that they fired them is that after the Rangers released that statement to the NHL and George Peros, GM and the president basically were saying that, hey, listen, that wasn't us. That wasn't the that was the owner more doing that. And so the owner fires them because he feels like his team, I guess, wasn't backing. He's not them. on board. Yeah, yeah, they weren't on the same page. And so. I like the message that the Rangers sent to the NHL. I think it might have been a little over dramatic, but I think in the way of <laughs> yeah, in the way of saving face, like the way of saving face, like your boss, like that's your boss. Like you gotta back him up a little bit, I guess. So if that that is the case and what happened, I can understand the firing, I guess, a little bit for that reasoning. First of all, whoever wrote that message for the Rangers deserves to get their own line of books. They should be writing stories. That, that was fantastic. The this disgusting display of violence. You know, I mean, they were just I mean, yes, it was it was pretty bad, but it's still hockey. <laughs> so I mean, I think that really is it though. You know, even if you didn't write it, I think if you're still looking to have a job like that, you just kind of go, Yeah, we agree. But I think, you know, maybe the GM and the and the coach are looking more long term and, and they're looking at, you know, possibly whenever their contract's up or whenever they're done. In New York, they're looking at, okay, well, you know, how's it going to look when we're looking for another job? Personally, I think it would look good because now they're looking to hire you because, you know, you're on board with your organization. But I mean, it's a controversial statement, so you can you can understand uh, both sides here. Yeah, I think the guys, if that's what happened, were probably covering their asses a little bit. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't really see the really the problem with with backing him up, I guess, a little bit. Um yeah. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure we won't know the full story till more details coming out. Uh, yeah. But it was just, just a crazy situation. Like another really weird talking point from just a, an overall weird season. Uh, we yeah. Just a few other small little minute things here. Uh, John Tortorella has told the Columbus Blue Jackets that he will not be returning as their head coach when his contract expires at the end of the season. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to retire, so he could still be looking for a job. Um, which would be interesting because I know there are going to be some teams that are going to be looking for a head coach and listen, you know, love him or hate him. Tortorella is effective. Like he, for the most part, like if you put him on a new team that needs defensive structure and like a system and an identity, you put John Tortorella on there, he's going to take a brand new team and he's going to make it a John Tortorella team. It doesn't last. Like once they move out of that phase of being a young team that needs an identity, which I think you're, we're starting to see the blue jackets, move out of that identity people and the players start to you know they start to rub with him a little bit but tortorella out with the blue jackets where do you think he's gonna land you think he think he ends up back in the nhl somewhere goes to the khl like what do you think i i definitely don't think he goes to russia um no shot a guy like that learns russian also that would just be a tough spot for for him and the russians to butt heads like that 
no way. No way. Tough environment there. However, I do think, uh, you know, I saw he, he's got between his 20 years uh, combined between his four teams that he's coached, uh, the Lightning, the Rangers, the Canucks, and the Blue Jackets. He's got 673 wins. Um, that puts him as the winningest head coach that is American-born of all time. So, you know, I mean, the guy's effective. He, he won a cup in uh, 04. The, the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, like you said, I don't know that it lasts all that long, but for four years, five years, you, you get what you get. I, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a clown, but I think he's a great coach. So another team that is having some head coach vacancy, Rick Tockett from the Arizona Coyotes has also said that he will not be returning as their head coach. Interesting, uh, you know, a little let. obviously he's a little less known commodity in Tortorella and he's getting out of the desert. I Probably, though I would expect him to probably move into probably a bigger market with an NHL club because I thought he'd done a pretty solid job with the Coyotes. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with them this season as well. I just thought that was a little bit of news. And then the last thing I have here is the Nashville Predators have clinched the playoffs as well. That means they have also eliminated the Dallas Stars, like we were talking about a little bit on the last episode. A little bit of shenanigans from Carolina, because I feel like they lost that last game to make sure that the Stars didn't clinch. But no problem, no problem. We're, we'll, <laughs> we won't call insider trading on that one. Ooh, um, it's, it just it. seemed a little <laughs> sus, because I feel like Carolina was nervous about Dallas, and they knew that they would have to play Dallas or Nashville in the first round, and they would much, much rather play nashville like we were saying so i feel like they maybe were gaming the system a little bit but they they were i feel like they were doing something sneaky there i can't really say for sure but i feel like they were doing something (laughs) with that rounding out i mean that division it's going to be a a good couple series i think carolina is going to absolutely wax the floor with nashville personally nashville's had a tough season and carolina has boomed had an absolute stunner of a season so i think carolina definitely comes out on top on that one I think, however, that Tampa Bay Florida series is gonna be good. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be one to watch. It's gonna it, be nasty. It, ex- exactly. Uh, I watched. The, you know, I, I tuned into the third period of the game the other day. I think there's only one more game left to play for both of them, and they they play each other. But it was a chippy game in, in itself. There was like 115 minutes in penalties or something like that. And you know, like I was saying earlier, 100 plus minutes in a game is nuts. Patrick Maroon was just suspended one game for something he did in that game. Yep. And um, whoever whoever he was messing around with, I don't remember who it was, but um, that guy also got a five thousand dollar fine, and and Weegar got a five thousand dollar fine too. So I mean, there was there was seven misconducts in that game. I mean, think about that leading up to you know you play that you play the same team twice before you end up playing them in the playoffs, um, and they still they're jockeying for position right now. They have one more game left. That, that's going to be a a wild series. I think it's definitely one to watch. Also, the first time the two Florida teams will meet each other in a playoff series. So I mean, it's going to be historical either way. It's going to be fun, and that also leaves with Nashville clinching. There is only one more possible spot to the playoffs open, and it is the spot that Montreal is currently clinging to dear life to. This season's definitely been something to something to, to look at. I mean, it's definitely interesting. Nothing that we've ever seen before. You know, cert- certainly there's a lot going on. But are they coming down to the wire here in, the, in this last stretch? <sighs> I think it's going to make for some really exciting hockey in the playoffs. You know, you've seen these teams eight, nine, ten times even during the season. You started some beef. 
He learned how they play. And then now you got to revamp and, and find it again in the playoffs because, you know, you know how playoff hockey is. It's it's a different beast. I'm excited to watch the playoffs. I don't care what series it is. I'm excited for playoff hockey. Yeah, that is a feeling I think we all can get behind is that that excitement for playoff hockey. Uh, but with that, I think we are going to hold on to that anticipation to the next episode. Like I said, we've only got a few games left here. We're in the home drive, the last couple. My last question for you, Kyle, is we've got three games left. How many points does Connor McDavid finish with? 100 right now. Three games. I will have you know, though, just to remind you, he scored – seven like 11 points in three games so just just think about it. i think I, I think i'm gonna put them anywhere between i'm gonna give you a little range I'm gonna give you a little range i'm gonna put them between 106 and 110 i'm gonna give him a four point swing there I, they, I i i almost guarantee there's at least six more points but i think there could be anywhere between six and ten more points in this in this next three game swing so this is going to be a dumb answer for me because why would you guess dumb? But I, I think, I think he's hit the hundred. I bet he takes the foot off the pedal just slightly. I'm going to say one Oh four. Okay. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it's understandable for sure. Like, I just, like, I don't know. He's hit the hundred points. I just saw the way he was talking in the last game. It just seems like he, he got that off of his shoulders. And so now he can sort of move on. And I just don't think he's going to be maybe, pushing as hard for as he was because especially in that last game like he had the puck every opportunity he could and i I don't think that's going to be the same in these last three games however it'll be interesting to see what happens uh like i said we're coming down to the wire here but as always thank you very much for listening um, if you want to follow the Rig Rats podcast on Twitter, you can. That's going to be at the Rig underscore Rats. Um, you can also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at Hockey Podnet on Twitter. It helps out a great deal. We have a lot of fun giveaways, contests, and other uh, fun content that we do at the network. It's a it's a good time. Kyle, you got anything else for me, my friend? No, not not for tonight, buddy. Let's uh, let's go Oilers. All righty. Well, uh, as always, be sure to leave a uh, subscription or review wherever you're listening to this podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It helps out a great deal. And as my good friend Kyle said, let's go Oilers.